Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. That was a little lengthy. I, I, it was indulgent. I love the, the guitar on that song. Um, anybody Joe Walsh fans? Okay. All right. That, that's, it's, it's nice when people know the songs that I play for intros. Um, well, for the rest of you who didn't recognize that song, that was Joe Walsh and his song, Life's Been Good. It was off his solo album, but seriously, folks, that was the title. From 1978. And it was said to be a satirical song about the excesses of rock and roll stardom in the 1970s. He owns a mansion and he's never been there. He's got a Maserati, but his, he doesn't have his license, so he has to ride in a limo. I mean, you know, all the stuff that goes along with the excesses of stardom. Well, if you're, if you're familiar with the bands of the 70s, in that era, you know that sometimes the truth was actually worse than the fiction. And uh, so, um, Life's Been Good appeared on the soundtrack of a movie called FM. Did anybody ever see that movie? I don't recall ever seeing it. But it, it was actually released first on the movie before it was released on the album. So, um, it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. That was Joe Walsh's biggest solo hit before he joined the Eagles in, in the early 80s. Now, if you're familiar with Joe Walsh's musical career, he struggled with drug and alcohol abuse pretty much from the late 60s on into the 90s. And he tells a story how in 1994 he woke up after blacking out on an airplane to Paris. He had arrived, he had his passport, but he didn't remember how he got on the plane. And that was his turning point, it was his wake-up call, and he's been sober ever since. And he's also one of my favorite artists. So, um, I, want to, I want to see if anyone has any testimonies that you'd like to share today. I like doing this, it, it, I think it causes faith to rise up in us. Uh, would anybody have a, a testimony or a risk that you took this last week. Well, again, I'm going to prime the pump. Oh, Daniel, I'll let you go first. There you go. Yeah, so um, I've been trying to show up more at, with my family. And so it's a risk to put yourself out there, make yourself vulnerable for 
like your kids or your spouse to say, you know what, I'm good. Um, so like my son, um, I've just been trying to like make myself available to say, to like hold him when he's upset or to, to go to help him or whatever. And um, he doesn't always want mommy now when he, when he needs something, you know. So sometimes he wants daddy now and that's kind of cool. But it was a big risk for me because like, what if this person who, like, what if my spawn rejects me? You know, it's like what, what? But you just, you just, I know it's what God wants, so I had to go for it. So that's good. Take risks. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Kitty. Uh, January four years cancer free. Cancer free. Since January the fourth. January four years. Yep. Praise God. Well, I want to just tell about a, a little risk, and maybe some of you have already seen a little bit of this, but um, on Friday, well, we've been, been making plans for Easter this year. Last year, you know, we did Easter in the park, and how, how many of you participated in that? You know, all the work that went into doing that ourselves. I mean, that was, that was all on us. We raised the money, took the money out of the, the budget, everybody worked. Well, uh, we were hoping to do that again this year for Easter, and the park wasn't available to us, and so we had to go with what was left over, and it turned out the only thing that was left was the pavilion at Holt Park, so, uh, or excuse me, the, the amphitheater at Holt Park, sorry, it, it's a little bit different, there's no uh, pavilion there. Um, anyway, uh, we were hoping that we could maybe share the load, participate with some other groups. And so on Friday, we met with, with Randy Wells and Faith Mission and started talking about our, our plans, what we would like to do. And in the course of talking to Randy, we ended up going out to the park and we're walking the grounds and he decided to go live on Facebook. And so what turned out, you know, last year it was just our Easter celebration on on Easter Sunday has now turned into a citywide Easter egg hunt and family day. So uh, so I'm going to be calling on all of you to help us. We have a few things that we need to do as part of our partnership with this event. And so so we'll be getting signups and, 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 and giving you opportunities to participate. But uh, I'm really excited I'm scared to death because it went from like this to like this in just a matter of minutes. So, uh, so anyway, just want to give God thanks for that and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen as we move into the Easter season. So anyone else you have a testimony that you'd like to share? Neoma? See, Kenny, where'd you go? Thank you. I wasn't living for the Lord. Um, I knew I knew all the time the Lord was with me, but I lost my joy. And the Oak Ridge Brothers put out a song called Joy Comes in the Morning. And that spoke to my heart. And uh, I married, and we 
we we belong to different churches, so we decided on the uh, 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 non-denominational church in Pasadena. And when I walked in the door of the sanctuary, the organ was playing, Joy Comes in the Morning. And God just put me to my knees, and I cried and cried and cried. And he just cleansed my soul and gave me back my joy. And I wish that could happen to everybody out there. Because you need your joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Neil. Let's see. Anna, you, you did raise your hand, right? You have to be careful because, you know, if you just, just move your hands around, you could be testifying before you know it. That, well, this is a neat story I want to share. What happened this week, um, some friends of mine go to Bizonette in... Houston, and they minister to the ladies that work the streets there and try to get them off the street. And so they noticed this one young girl that was there, and she was kind of in the staying back. And they talked to her, and because they talked to her, she decided to go home. Turned out she lives in Brenham, and she was there to get um, her rent money. And so we were able to raise her money for her and we're gonna pay her rent tomorrow. And so uh, she lives around the corner from me, so we're gonna be connected and try to get her in church. And, That's awesome. And in a different place. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. That, that's, that's good stuff. Well, anybody else? It, it, it's been good this morning already. Okay, well. I think it's safe to say that everybody wants to experience the good life. Would you agree? I mean, after all, what's the alternative? A miserable life? A wasted life? Nobody ever sets out to waste their lives, do they? I'm just going to... Just go out and just make a wreck of myself. That, that doesn't usually happen. We all want to experience fulfillment when our life's all said and done. Well, I want to talk to you about the good life today. And the title of my message is, Say Yes to the Good Life. And I think most of us would agree that at some level, the good life involves making us happy. Now, we might call it happiness, we might call it joy, we might call it contentment, delight, bliss, peace, even fun. Any number of other definitions, did, did I leave anything out? Okay, I think I did pretty good. At some point, the good life should make us happy. And of course we know that everybody wants to be happy. Now it's possible that a person's definition of what the good life is might actually put them in a place of conflict with God. In fact, some people think that a life of serving God might even cost them their happiness. 
I mean, have you ever heard anybody say that being a Christian just takes the fun out of life? You, did, did you hear that? It's in some variation. Well, that sentiment, my fingers are dry this morning, is usually based on things that Jesus said to his disciples and people who followed him. Like this passage from Mark, chapter 8. Jesus called the crowd to, to join his disciples and he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake... In the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Well, this kind of life, the taking up a cross kind of life, flies in the face of the culture that we live in. Would you agree on that? Our culture says things like this. You only live once. Spare no expense. Live like there's no tomorrow. Eat, drink, and have fun. That's the good life. And then others will say, well, make lots of money so you can spend it all on yourself. That's what the good life is all about. Get that Big money contract so you can spend everything on yourself. Or even flaunting what we have as, as part of celebrating the good life. Well, we deserve it because we earned it, right? And so if you got it, flaunt it. And for me, it's kind of summed up in the scene from the movie Jerry Maguire. Anybody remember that movie? few of you? Well, I wanted to show the clip, but I realized I couldn't because of all the profanity that was in it. Well, it wasn't profanity. It was just not proper for a public audience. Let's just say it that way. Because I don't want you thinking that Joel watches all these movies. But anyway, I did watch this one. And in the scene, if you remember... The, the ball player says, show me the money. And so Jerry's on the other end, and he's like, do you hear me, Jerry? I said, show me the money. Let's hear you say it. And he says, show me the money. Oh, come on, say it like you believe it. Show me the money. And then finally, show me the money! And he says it over and over and over again, and everybody in his office is looking around at him like he went crazy. But the sad thing is, is that most of the time, people want this life so much that they'll go to the extent of overextending their resources and willingly going into debt just so they can get their little piece of the good life. And most of them say it's worth it because they get an opportunity to flaunt it to their friends. They can brag about what they have and show off what they have. Well, those of you who've been through Financial Peace University, you're familiar with the name Dave Ramsey, right? 
He's a radio show host, author, businessman, and founder of Financial Peace University, by the way, which is meeting on Tuesdays here at the church. If you, if you would like to learn a little bit more about making a budget, doing the kinds of things that, that will help you financially in your life. Well, anyway, he says this about the good life. We buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. And the Apostle Paul addressed this kind of idea of the good life in his first letter to his protege, Timothy. The first letter of Timothy, chapter 6, it says, People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now I just want, to, want you to notice here for a second. Paul didn't say that money is the root of all evil. Do you see it there? He didn't say that. Money itself isn't inherently good or bad. It's, it's an inanimate object. Instead, he said, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Just think for a moment, all of the bad things that have been done because somebody was trying to make a buck. And it goes from the highest level of, of government to the very lowest level of just individual interaction. The issue is a heart problem. Choosing money over what people know to be right and wrong and not doing the right thing. Well, I want to look at the, what the Bible outlines as the good life today. And I'm going to use two different stories and characters to compare and contrast their choices in the pursuit of the good life. The first story comes from Mark chapter 10. I think you'll find this familiar. This is from the story of the rich young ruler. If you've heard that, well, in, in a more modern translation, they just refers to him as the young man. Anyway, in verse 17, it says, Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, and a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Well, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. 
Now, I think this is possibly one of the most sad passages of Scripture that we see. Someone who had been given the opportunity to experience eternal life according to what Jesus said, what he was looking for, what the man was looking for, and when Jesus told him what it required, he turned away on his own volition. And he approached Jesus with what appeared to be a sincere desire to be a disciple. He wanted to be a disciple. And based on appearances, he should have been a star candidate. I mean, look at the guys who Jesus already had as disciples. He had a couple of fishermen. He had another tax collector in Matthew. He had a a zealot, somebody that just stirs up trouble. I mean, these guys that he had, it was a ragtag bunch. If he at least brought this guy in he would kind of give his group a little bit of credibility, right? He was an up-and-comer. And then as a bonus, he was wealthy. And in the Jewish culture, his wealth was seen as God's blessing on his life. You know, God had blessed him. And so this was all something that, that he could use for the kingdom of God. And think of all that he could do for the kingdom of God with someone that that had a lot of wealth. But Jesus knew that the man's desire for wealth would divide his allegiance. And when Jesus confronted him about it, he asked him to make a choice. And the man simply walked away. It's just as Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one, And love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve money, God, and and be enslaved to money. I mean, it's a pretty stark comparison. And Jesus calls for our allegiance to serve Him. Then there's the story from the Gospel of Luke about a man named Zacchaeus. The kids are actually learning about Zacchaeus today. So I thought it was neat that that our, our lessons kind of coincided with each other. But in the Gospel of Luke, this man Zacchaeus crosses Jesus' path. He entered Jericho and made his way through the town, and there was this man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. And Jesus was about to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He had never met before. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Well, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He, referring to Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. 
And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, Zacchaeus and this other man that we read about, they were both Jews and they were both rich. But that's where the similarities end. Zacchaeus was a Jew, but we don't really know whether he kept the law. His interest in Jesus raises some questions like he might have been searching, you know, to be able to connect with God at some point. And considering the fact that he was a tax collector and considered to be a sinner by his culture, he realized that he couldn't worship God publicly. If he were to go to the temple, he might not be allowed in because the, the guards at the, at the door might, might say, I'm sorry, you're, you're a sinner, you need to stay outside. I mean, that, that was the culture. And so we, we don't know whether he actually approached the Jewish worship, but in a sense, he was searching to somehow connect with God. And he was also rich. And while we don't know how the other man made his money, we know how Zacchaeus made his. As a tax collector, he collected taxes for the Roman government. And they gave him the leeway that he could take a little bit off the top to serve himself. And that was what made him so notorious towards the Jews, was because that's how they made their living. And if they, wanted, if they wanted to be rich, then they just took a little bit more off the top. And the Jews considered every tax collector to be an outright sinner because they cheated people. And it was their, their way of life. And something interesting about Zacchaeus Maybe it was just the fact that he knew this about himself. He knew how he was seen by the culture. When Jesus, when Jesus was coming, Zacchaeus approached him, but he stayed at a distance. You know, the text says that he went up ahead and he climbed up in a tree, and the idea was that he could see Jesus, and maybe Jesus wouldn't see him. Because after all, what would be wor- it couldn't be any worse than to approach Jesus and... And Jesus doesn't even want to have anything to do with me because, you know, I'm, I'm such a bad person. Well, he goes up, he climbs up in the tree, and then Jesus sees him. I think at that point he, he knew what was going on, and, and in the spirit he had already recognized there's going to be somebody up in the tree, and God gave him the name. He, he knew the name of, of Zacchaeus when he looked up in the tree. And in their discussion, Jesus told him, I'm going to your house today. That was something that a religious person would never do in that culture because they would be guilty by association. You go to the home of a sinner, you become a sinner. It was something that was said a few weeks ago that in, in the natural, something that is clean, when it touches the unclean, it becomes unclean too. Well, in the supernatural... The thing that's clean makes 
that which is unclean clean again. And that was Jesus' purpose here on earth. And so when he went with, with Zacchaeus, he, he recognized that something was different. And at that point, his heart changed. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Salvation has come to this house. This man's life has changed. His heart has changed. And it was demonstrated in his willingness and his desire to be generous with what he had. And this is the thing about the kingdom. Generosity is central to a life that's rooted in the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't have to tell Zacchaeus to be generous. It flowed out of a heart change that he experienced. And Zacchaeus saw what the good life could be, and he wanted to take part in it. And consequently, we, we see that generosity is the hallmark of the Christian church. We see it in the stories of the Acts of the Apostles, how they brought things together and shared them. They kept things in common, the Scripture says. They sold things so that they could have stuff to share with each other. Throughout the first century, the church was known for its generosity. And then throughout history, it's woven its way through Europe and Asia, and then here in the U.S., and then the farthest reaches of the world. The good life is a life of generosity. And about 20 years after Jesus' ascension, Paul told the church in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 20, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Another translation of this I read this week says that there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now, I want to challenge us this morning to be generous with what God has given to us. Now, what I'm not saying is that we have to give everything away or that we, you need to go out and sell everything you have and give it to the church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is to ask God, how can I be more generous with what you've given to me? Because I think that's the first step toward living the good life. Now I want to invite the Holy Spirit. I want to allow Him to, to minister to us today. So we can just quiet ourselves just for a second. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to us. Pour out your Spirit on us, Lord. We want to hear from you today.
saying. Did anybody feel like you heard the Lord say something? Let me show you something. Um, when we became quiet, it was um, the Holy Spirit just really kind of enveloped us with peace over everybody. And he was showing me how pleased he is with each individual's desire for him and servanthood towards him. And then he said he desires to um, see a unification in how we function as a body. Uh, and he was saying as a um, well-oiled wheel or a mechanism and uh, that it is something to uh, reach for. Thank you. Kenny, um, Georgia has something. Well, as... Um we were sitting here quietly. It, it was really, I agree with Anna, it was just such a peace. Um, but I think a lot of times as individuals, when we hear giving, we see something going away from us. And what God is wanting us to remember, his principle is, as that as we give, we're giving life to that that he has given to us. And it's seed. It is seed. And you're planting it, whether it be a blouse or a dollar or a hug. Whatever we give gives life. And it's a seed that he will water to make grow. Yeah. And um, I think that mindset helps us realize the supernatural act of giving. Uh, rather than just something leaving us. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? That was a great addition to my, to my message. That's like the, the cap, you know? Um, I feel like the uh, Holy Spirit's saying there's somebody specific who is um this is before i knew anything was like about the topic of the sermon but um there's somebody specific feeling a little reluctant to take a step in faith to do what god has asked them to do um but um it's it's time to take that step of faith and and do it so if that's you go for it Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to pray along those lines. So, um, so if, you're, if, if that's you, that's, that's the Lord just saying, it's okay. It's okay. And we'll just rest in that peace that we feel. Anyone else, you've felt like you heard something from the Lord or he might have showed you something while we were sitting
Okay. Well, here's what I'm what I want to do. Um, there are several areas, and I want to I want to be intentional in asking if there's anyone that needs to make things right between you and the Lord. I I, I think I've I've been a little lax in that in the past, but. Every time we meet, it's an opportunity for us to meet with God. And it's an opportunity if, you, if, if things feel like they're out of line, if they're not, not where they need to be, and you know where they need to be, and, and for whatever reason, they're not. I want to give you that opportunity. If you're here and you would, you would say, I, I, things aren't right between me and the Lord, and I'd like for somebody to pray with me. I'm going to give you a chance to, to do that this morning. And also, um, maybe along the lines of what, we were, what I was talking about this morning, you feel a desire to be generous, but you don't know how. Maybe it's I, I, you don't feel like you have enough that you could be generous. I mean, it's a struggle already, and, and then to try to be generous is just, I, 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 don't, I don't have the means. I can't be generous. And and I, I, I would encourage you that the Lord would say that you start with the small things. It's just like what Jesus said. If you're faithful with the little things, then you'll be trusted with the bigger things. So it starts small. And if you're in that place, and maybe that's you, and you're, yeah, I, I, I want to take a step of faith, but I just don't know that I can. Maybe my, my resources are preventing me from doing that. Start little. Start small. Okay? And, and then the third thing, if you're here and you, you need healing in your body, something about the, the well-oiled wheel that, that just spoke to me. The more, the more we do it, the more, the more oiled it gets. You know, the Holy Spirit comes, and so when we pray for healing... We're just going to continue praying, and, and, and who knows what the Lord is going to do when, when, whenever we show up together. Just give Him the opportunity to do it. So, um, so I, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you would like someone to pray with you, because things between you and the Lord are not where they need to be. I want to invite you to come to the front. I understand the intimidation of coming to the front, but no one's, no one's looking, no one's going to be, be judging. If you, if you would like for someone to pray with you, I want to invite you to come to the front. And if you're one, or it may, and, and there may be more than just one person, that you've been, been talking to the Lord, and you feel like the Lord's been dealing with you about being more generous, and you just feel like that you can't for whatever reason, that it's a step of faith for you, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. And if you need prayer for physical healing, if you'd like the Lord to, to touch you, if there's something, if you're experiencing pain in your body, come and receive prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Move on us. Come and have your way in us today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Release your healing.
release your compassion, release your love. Pour it out on us today in abundance. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're on the prayer team this morning, I want to invite you to come and help me pray. Anyone else, if you'd like to come forward, this, this, is, this is a time for you to receive. Okay, anyone else, if you're, you, if you're coming for prayer, so you have, if you've got the, the lanyard on you, Here's a host. She's being cute and putting it on her side. I want to pray a prayer of blessing. And if you're if you're just just want to hang out because I mean it's it's quiet. The, the the spirit is here, and if you just want to hang out, that's fine. If you want to if you want to visit, that's okay. Just do that in the foyer. But I want to thank you for being here today. And I pray that, that God's blessing would be on, on your life, that you would experience His Spirit leading and guiding you in the events of your week. I pray that, that you see things that the Lord wants you to see and that you allowed Him to lead you where He wants to lead you. And we ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up to the front. There's already some folks praying. Thank you for being here today.